Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. That's what we want to do. We want to let the Bible speak. God has given us a word so that we might know the way that we're to go and to live in our lives, to be corrected by it and transformed by it. And so um, we are here this morning. Um, my name is Josh Elder alongside Mr. Henderson Palmer. Amen. And uh, John Chetta. Hello. And so if you heard our, our uh, second to last podcast it's not gonna be in order yeah is uh mr henderson no mr henderson is right there mr arthur uh we had a a great podcast with mr arthur and we had a guest there and so we thought we'd bring another guest alongside we realized that the show is better when we say less things (laughs) and And so you get somebody who speaks you know more than than everybody else that's right and then uh you you're able to end up um doing a good show you gotta find a guest who's willing to interject before they've even been introduced All right. exactly, <laughs> All right. exactly. That's what i'm talking about <laughs> so, so that smooth jazz voice that was just brought to you was our guest today who is um friends of all of ours uh a Amen. pastor at faith presbyterian here in uh mandeville uh, covington sorry i'm from mandeville so it's I, all right yeah and um his name is jason that's right wood that's me Mr. Jason Wood. Glad to be here, guys. Thanks ha- for the invite. Do you have any um any like titles that go along besides pastor? No, I mean I'm ordained, so I'm technically reverend, but I just Pastor Jason's what most people call me. Okay. Amen. And uh just so you know, Jason's relationship to all of us, it's kind of a weird uh joining together <laughs> of how this all happened. But uh I was introduced to Jason in a comic shop. That's right. And um, a friend who knew me from childhood said, you need to meet this pastor. Um, and then he put us together, and then uh, the Lord took it from there and um, made, uh, you know, we had this conversation about discipleship. And at the time, uh, Jason was going to do a disciple class or something like that or, you know, work with somebody with discipleship. And... Um, and he goes, but you know about all that. And I was like, actually, I don't. Mm. Um, and so it was at that point, he's like, well, I've been praying for somebody to disciple. And uh, and I have been praying for somebody to disciple me and to help me in my path. And so that's how I met Jason. Wow. And um, if if I'm you know, messed up or anything, malformed. Wow. He's at least partially to it's blame. my fault. Hey, right. That's right. <laughs> at least right. partially wow. blame for that. And but, but if there's anything good, it's, uh, that's, that's God's, God's work. Right. All right. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So all the bad stuff, Jason, all mm-hmm. the good stuff. God. And none yeah. of it, none of it, Josh's no good or bad. Exactly. Wow. I just kind of sit on the sideline. Okay. Uh, but then I think through Jason, I met you, Henderson, right? The I first time so, I yeah, right. yeah, ever met That's you right. was at Jason's church. Yeah, That's right. at Jason's church. Yeah. And uh, Jason and Henderson and I, we did uh, some evangelism out at uh, Berkeley. Right, and, and then Florida. in Florida. And uh, John somehow got included in all this. Who yeah. knows? <laughs> I think I just followed y'all <laughs> around. <laughs> For a little while until you welcomed me in. Well, we heard you had microphones and equipment yeah, for a podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So we thought, well, we'll let this kid hang out with yeah, us. Yeah. So we thought we, we, we like his toys. We'll let him start off and then eventually bring in Jason. You, you know? so, yeah. So <laughs> you, I was just keeping the seat warm, y'all. It was good working with you. Uh, y'all take it from here. <laughs> right. um, the, uh, 
but yeah, you invited me to that the, the breakfast. So I that's right. Yeah, to watch y'all. Yeah, Jason carts. and I and I used to <laughs> both uh, enjoy some discipleship and play a card game called uh, what was it? Keyforge. Keyforge. Yeah. Keyforge. There goes half uh, of our listeners. Yeah, all our listeners like nobody's heard of it and uh even but if you I'm look sure now, there, the devil. there are dozens of us <laughs> dozens <laughs> surely it's just like our listeners That's right and um so so whenever we have a guest we we usually want to hear a little bit about their story and then um maybe tell us something about why the scripture is important to them and um Amen. and then we'll, we'll we'll go from there i think I think if we uh, don't cover all the time for the uh, the the podcast through having a talk through your story and uh, you know why the scripture is important to you, then we'll get to uh, what our subject matter of today would have been um, anyway. So sure, we look forward to that. Amen. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me here. Um, so I grew up uh, in the church. Um, my parents, my brothers, all Christians, and um, I mean from earliest age, every Sunday. I was at church at worship. I was at Sunday school, the, the whole bit. And, um, you know, depending on, on where you're, of course, you don't know who all your listeners are either. I don't know what your, your denominational or church background is. Um, but mine definitely would have been, uh, could, could be easily categorized as fundamentalist and, um, fundamentalist Christian. And there are a lot of pros to that and a lot of cons. And one of the pros of growing up in that world was they took the Bible deadly seriously. Mm. Um, we heard the Bible. I mean, one of my earliest churches, a part of their worship service every week is they would just read a chapter from the Bible, and the next week they'd read the next chapter from the mm. Bible as they were just reading through the Bible. So in addition to preaching it, they're just reading it out loud. Amen. So they took the Bible really seriously. And um, as my life moved forward and as my family kind of changed theologically and denominationally over time, and as I even had changes personally, where I always landed was, well, what does the Bible say? Um, whatever I believe, I want it to come from the Bible. And so in my college years, I was kind of, I was already, uh, God had called me to be a, a preacher when I was uh, 16. I'd responded to the gospel when I was young, when I was about seven years old. Um, mm. But it, how did that go? Like, just curious of yeah. what, a, what that looks like is responding to a seven year old. Right. Yeah. So, um, so I'm going to this church, right. Where I'm hearing the gospel clearly preached every Sunday. And it's not just the gospel. It's, it's the gospel with teeth, man. Mm. So every Sunday I'm hearing about hell. Mm. Uh, I'm hearing about <laughs> what sin does to lives and, and the cost of it. And, and I'm hearing regularly the invitation to repent and believe the gospel, mm. um, to be saved from my sins. I'm a seven year old. So like my sins at the, and I was, a, I was a pretty compliant kid too. So, you know, my sins weren't as bloody as they could have right. been, but, but man, I was, I was afraid of hell and right. I was, and I was afraid of, of God's wrath over sin. So one night we're riding home from church and, um, I told my dad, I said, Hey dad, I, I think I got saved tonight. This is a seven year old, right? And he said, okay, okay well, why, why do you say that? I said, well, Brother Jones, we were Baptist at the time, so everybody's brother and sister, you know. Brother yeah. Jones uh, was uh, talking about Jesus, and I got this funny feeling in my stomach. And I thought, maybe Jesus is trying to get into my heart. So <laughs> I was hearing this lingo of, like, inviting Jesus into mm. your heart. My stomach must have grumbled or something. I thought, this is it. He's yeah. getting in there, you know. Yeah. So my dad realized I was kind of 
trying to figure this out. And so he went home and he started asking me questions. And I, I t- confessed to him, I'm laying in night uh, in bed at night, afraid I'm going to die and go to hell. And so he mm. was hearing all this weight. And he said, he just opened to John 3.16. And he said, son, I'm just going to read this to you. King James Version, right? He says, for God so loved the world. Who's a part of the world? I said, well, everybody. He said, so you can put your name in there. For God so loved Jason that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Wow. Mm. And so he started to talk about how, how Jesus on the cross was punished for my sins. And if I would believe in him, my sins could be washed away. So as a seven-year-old contemplating what Jesus went through on the cross for me, I honestly was, I was really upset. So I started crying. And so my dad comforted me. And I, I think he didn't want me to make any kind of emotional decision. So he said, well, what? Why don't you just go get ready for bed? Go get in the shower. So go get in the shower. So here I am, a seven-year-old in the shower, contemplating an eternity in hell and the hell that Jesus went through on the cross. And I prayed, and, and I, it was very simple. I said, I, God, I don't understand it all. What I do know is that I have sin, and I need to be forgiven. Will you save me? Mm, wow. And, and so I think, I do think that's the moment that he regenerated my heart um, that, that I was changed, but I don't want to indicate because I grew up in a Christian home that from that point onward, I was a bastion of faithfulness. Right. Um, and so when I was about 14 years old was when I, I, and this, this is where we, we can, I can start kind of talking about my view of the Bible. Um, so when I was 14, we started going to a new church and, uh, it had a youth group and this was the first time I'd ever been in a youth group. And it was the first time I'd ever heard Christians talk about um, having a relationship with Jesus. Mm. And it's not just these uh, principles that you agree to, these platitudes that you believe about who is Jesus and what has he done, but actually you can know him. Mm. That, that, that's the goal is, is reconciliation and being, living life in, in response to him relationally. And so um, my youth pastor started discipling me. So th- this, this discipleship's all knit into this as well. And he started showing me, what does it look like to have a relationship with Jesus? And a key part of it is, well, we talk to him. How do we talk to him? We talk to him in prayer. And how does he, res- how does he talk to us through the scriptures primarily? There are other means as well. Yeah. And um, so do all you right. have any practice of reading the Bible? And I didn't. So I remember around that time um, just really struggling with that discipline. So one, one year we had a, uh, with a, praying or with reading the Bible, reading the Bible. Okay. Um, so one December or November, somewhere in there, our youth group had this challenge where you had to read the Bible every day for 30 days and you had to turn in the sheet at the end of it all to, uh, marking off like w- what days you had read. And if you read every day, then you could go on the youth new year's Eve trip. Okay. Well, I did not complete the challenge and I turned in my sheet with all kinds of blanks and I was the only student who didn't get to go. Wow. So I, that was, that was like 3d audio. I heard all you said, wow. So uh, ironically, I told someone this story recently and they said, you do realize that you're probably the only one who told the truth. Everyone else just lied because <laughs> right. they wanted yeah, to go no on the doubt. trip. <laughs> no, so, no. so I, I carried a lot of guilt because I didn't have I had this legalistic sort of desire to do what I was supposed to do. But absent from it was what I was being taught 
that this is the means of relationship where we in, we hear from God. So from 14, so, the, so that's also when I started preaching. That's a whole other story. Wow. Respond to a call to preach uh, at the age of 16, go to college, and I know I'm going into some kind of ministry. So when I, I go to college, my plan is college is a stepping stone to seminary. Uh, at the end of college, I know God's calling me not just to preach, but to be a pastor. Um, I go to seminary. I graduate from seminary. I get married. I start ministry. I'm an associate pastor for three years in Texas, and I move here. So that whole stretch from the age of 14, and I moved here in 2011, so that was 11 years ago. So, so um, I was 28. So from 14 to 28, so 14 years. That's interesting. 14 years, 14 years. For 14 years, I carried a significant weight of guilt mm. because I didn't read the Bible as I thought I ought to. Mm. Now, as a pastor, anytime somebody says ought, I automatically say, okay, where are you getting that ought in the Bible? Let's start there. Where's that coming from? But I, it's not that I didn't read the Bible, but it was, it was, a, it was a discipline that I struggled to do with regularity. When I did it, I loved it. And it was a relational connection point with God, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be. It was especially in terms of regularity. So I moved here 11 years ago, became the pastor of Faith Presbyterian Church. They were nuts. They hired a 27-year-old to be their pastor, which is just crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> and uh, they must have been desperate. They still right. are because they've kept me for this long. Yeah. But uh, I've been there for maybe three or four months, and I went... Um, in our denomination, we get two weeks of study leave every year. And so I took one. It's a wonderful practice. It's fantastic. That our denomination does not do. Well, hey, you know, (laughs) things can change. You never know. (laughs) So so, um, I had a study leave and I had one question I wanted to answer. How do I help these people grow? The discipleship question. Right. Because you can preach Mm. and you can tell them stuff, but that doesn't make them grow. So I, I got all these books. I had... New stuff. I had like Rick Warren. I had Augustine, old stuff. I've got John Calvin, of course, because I'm a Presbyterian and I have my Bible. And I went to Memphis where I grew up and, and I took a whole week just pondering, chewing, reading all this stuff. And it's amazing. It didn't matter who I read, John Calvin or Rick Warren or who. All right. Every one of them said the same thing. If you want people to grow, you got to get them in the Word mm. and they got to be praying. They've got. There are other things too, but those two loom large yeah, in, yeah. In, in the whole thing. That's right. And I can remember this moment, probably Thursday of that week. I'm sitting at Republic Coffee in Memphis, Tennessee, which is closed now. I can remember the moment when I had that realization that this is the heart of spiritual growth. And I prayed, not out loud because I'm sitting in a room with all these people, but, but I prayed, but God, I don't do that. Mm. And I don't have that deep desire for you in the scriptures. All the desire was kind of rooted in this oughtness, this legalistic right. got to do it. Cause if that's I, what Christians If I put do. myself through the process, then that's right. It'll end up doing what I needed to do. That's right. That's right. Um, and I said, but I don't do that. And this is the closest I've ever had to, you know, John Wesley, y'all can probably quote this better than I can. Or the, the strange warming of his, his heart. heart so, strangely warm. Yeah. Yes. I, in that moment that I said that, God changed something in me miraculously okay. where when I, I, when I said that, I, I just had this thought, why am I even looking at these books then? Yeah. And I closed them and I pulled out my Bible. And since that day, I've just had a different 
heart on this matter. Yeah. Um, that I want to read the Bible because I meet him there. Mm-hmm. That's um, that's a, a big part of I think your your kind of conversion story is like it's, suddenly you had a deep it desire. E- it was exactly. I mean, <clears throat> in the sense that um, when God changed my life uh, and I started to read the Scripture before I'd read the scripture and it was like a, just a dead book. It was like, it was, in fact, it was even worse than that for me because it was like, it was like going through mud, drudging your way through it. And I would just fall asleep within the f- drop of a hat anytime I'd ever tried to read the scripture before. But after God really changed my life, uh, I opened up that book and I've told people this before and it's just the truth of this. And I, wow. I pray, I pray always that the Lord would continue to do this and bring it back to me. Um, is that when I opened it, it was like it was shining. Mm. I mean, it was, it was, it was, uh, just in, and I remember digesting it and going, oh my gosh, like it's all here. You know, it's everything that I need to know about you. What's funny is I read the old Testament. I go, well, here's Jesus and here's Jesus and here's Jesus and there's Jesus and Jesus was everywhere. And I was sitting there going through it and, and for, a long period of time, a long period of time. I used to read fantasy books. I used to read, uh, that was my favorite. I would always read that type of stuff, stuff that just gets you out of your head type of thing for a number of, uh, I think years, the only thing I could read Mm. was the Bible Mm. and, uh, and, and a few apologetic books around it. And then that, but that was it. But most of it was the Bible. And that's why it's so funny because when you have an experience like that, it changes your perspective. So like when John, I remember when John first came into my office at St. Timothy, we were talking about the scripture and John was like, well, you know, I, I kind of like, you were, you were like mentioning different things. Yeah. So I, I'm not going to do it. I almost cleared my throat, <clears throat> but you can hear, I need to clear my throat. John. <laughs> that was Josh. <laughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. I was really kind of getting, anyway, I was, uh, too. I was a little phlegmy. <laughs> sorry. Um, but yeah, I, uh, it's, it's the only area I'm like this in my life or was, I should say, where, uh, normally I'm, I'm a go down the rabbit hole, go to the source, go to the next source, like really see where people are coming from, who taught them. Like, I love that. That's something I, mean, I can waste an entire day doing that. If you call it waste, but when it came to scripture, I would never go to the source. I would yeah. read what other people said and everybody always had their mm. own agendas. And look, I was reading, you know pretty wild stuff you right. know like the, the the stuff that you don't really recommend that people read um but uh no i love it it's like and i get those questions still like from different people to be like uh you know what, what, what do you about think of the book venom yeah what about the lost books what about yeah, the, yeah. what about what the about, secret yeah. books uh, what about right. those what about i mean uh, i've what, read them you ever, you know, you ever heard that thought and theory that the aliens brought us this book yeah really? you know like <laughs> yeah, or something yeah. like you know like it would always be and and yeah. i remember having this conversation with you and, it, and i was like you know it seems to me that you're reading all around the book. Yes, you did. Rather than reading the book. Mm. Yeah. And I said, uh, you know, I said, there's nothing wrong with reading around the book, but if you don't read the book, right, you're just hearing it from somebody else. Yeah, you know, and, like, and it, that was a really, uh, I had never realized the the fault in, in my approach. I, I never recognized how intimidated I was by the actual word of God. Like there was clearly something about it that made me not want to. And I don't have any of those like horror stories growing up that some people experience, you know, in those like super overbearingly kind of Christian households and and lock in the closet, make you pray. And, you know, like 
I, I don't have any of that stuff. If anything, it was my, 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 my attraction towards Christianity was my own as a child. Like mm-hmm. I went to catechism and fell in love with Jesus and I wanted to, I mean, they called me preacher John when I was a child. Yeah. Not really as a compliment, but, <laughs> but, but nonetheless, done that. yeah, but nonetheless, see, here we are. Um, but yeah, so that was, uh, and that's why I was interested to hear you say that because I've, I've certainly heard Josh say that I've probably Henderson would agree that he had experiences similar to that. But I have yeah. a question. Mm. Um, actually, do you want to speak on that? I don't want to, I mean, we've, we've all talked about our, no, that's cool. I, I would just—it's interesting your story because you know just having that impression of Christ early at seven years old. Just for me, it's interesting because, I mean, I don't know so many people personally that you know God, and I know there's people out there. Don't get me wrong, but just where I grew up at in my environment, man, that people do just accept that call of God so early on. And you know, for me, you know, you mentioned Rick Warren in his book. Uh, two of the days in Rick Warren's book, one of them is transformed by the truth and one of them is transformed by trouble. Yeah. To me, you was transformed by the truth of God's word. You was hearing God's words preached to you and and you didn't want to go, you didn't want to be eternally separated from God for forever. You didn't want to go to hell, but on the, on the other end of the spectrum, me, I was transformed by trouble, mm. the trouble that came into my life. And I accepted, you know, I just knew that, I, man, my life was just in shambles. I just needed God. I needed God not to just save me from the trouble I was in, but I just needed God, period, man. I didn't want to live like that anymore. But it's just interesting hearing your story that, hey, as a young man, as a young kid, you accepted. And then, you know, at 14 years old, you even accepted a call to preach, and you were just involved in ministry stuff from from early on. Well, it reminds me of, of Mr. Arthur's, the conversation you guys had with Mr. Arthur however many episodes ago it was, but, you know, he talked about how God has a different calling for each of us. My, right. my wife and I were talking on the phone when I was driving over here about a conversation she had yesterday uh, in a Bible study she's leading. Right. Um, and the, the, she has a very similar uh, experience as mine. She received Christ, I don't know how old she was, four or five years old, really young. Wow. Grew up in the church and right. really never knew a day where she didn't trust Christ. And um, there was a season of her life where she felt like when she would share her story uh, next to someone else that had been saved out of just a terrible situation. Out of trouble. Yeah, that that she feels like, well, my story is really not that great. And really, it's it's magnificent that any sinner would say, I want to love God. I want to know God. Uh, it's, It's a sign of his Right. majesty and power and mercy to have experienced that. But at the same time, man, I have, I've got a sin problem and he disciplines me and, and suffering and pain Amen. comes. But, um, but I, I am grateful to God. God was merciful in that way to me. And I hope the same for my kids and for your kids as well. You know, right. they grow up knowing Christ and it's not that they're not going to struggle and doubt. I think that's yeah, a yeah. part of the yeah. process, but I, I absolutely, um, I love hearing stories about people who did not need to find Jesus in the bottom, the bottom of, of the pit. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I got pulled out of it, you know? So it's like yeah, yeah. for me, I, but I know, and I've, I've said this in sermons before. I think I'm just that stubborn that that's what it, <laughs> like, that's what it, it took. I literally, I had to be like, like, if you remember when they, uh, um, uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Saddam Hussein. 
when they finally caught him and he's like crawling out of the hole covered in mud and yeah, you know, he's like, I right. surrender. It's like, no, no. <laughs> like we we caught you. Right. <laughs> like yeah. you are hiding in a hole. <laughs> you are you're hiding in a hole covered in mud. You are not the winner today. <laughs> you know, like hey, right. that's that's that was me crawling out of the hole, like all right, Lord, uh, yeah. I, I surrender. But um it amazes me when I hear people who just who didn't have to go through all of that. I mean, I fell in love with Jesus when I was right. very young. But I ran the other way in no time. Yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, it may, it may be helpful. Um, so for me, um, when I when I went into college, you know, I'd been to a lot of different kinds of churches at that point, and I didn't know where I was going to land. But I knew God wanted me to preach. And so when people ask me, they're like, so what are you? Are you a Baptist? Are you a Methodist? Are you a Presbyterian? Because I've been in all these different churches. What are you? I would tell people, and this is so cocky and prideful mm. and ridiculous, <laughs> Uh, but which will surprise none of you because right. you know me. Right. I would tell them, oh, I'm a biblicist. Oh, nice. Wow. nice. <laughs> I just believe what the Bible says, unlike all the rest of you yeah. denominationalists. Yeah. All you other you people. Know? I'm not even non-denominational. It's, it's, I'm, I'm a biblicist. It's like jo- yeah. Josh's uh, uh, shift <laughs> service, you know, that they seek authenticity. That's right. You know, as Whereas opposed everybody to else, all of the other Everybody services. else does not seek authenticity. <laughs> but, here, but here's the irony. I said that, I was saying that when I was 18 years old. It wasn't until I was 27 that I had this kind of deep heart change about the Bible. Oh, so you were... Yeah, so I mean, I because I've been okay. raised in this very Bible-centered kind of culture and wrapped into it was legalism and that sort of thing, you well, know? I'm glad that you went there, there because I, I have a question that I was going to ask you a little earlier. Mm-hmm. So what do you say to the person who is still reading out of obligation, who, who reads okay. scripture, but it's like, are they faking it till they make it? Is that what you were doing for a little while? Or should they keep doing that? How, how do they approach that when they're like, you know, I read it, but it's not alive to me? Yeah, that's a great question. It is. Um, there was a guy I went to seminary with who I remember really envying him because he would get up at four in the morning. It's like mm-hmm. Jonathan Edwards or one of these guys. You know, he'd get up at four in the morning. He'd spend two hours laboring over the scriptures. Mm-hmm. I have a friend and, just like that. And, uh, well, I hope your friend's story doesn't end like this guy's story does. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I, I just remember being like, God, why can't I be like him? Why can't I have that studiousness, that focus, that passion? Um, and then four or five years ago on Facebook, he announces he's no longer a Christian. He's mm. walked away. Mm. And um, so I thought, okay, well, what he had, I don't want. <laughs> right now, um, our works do nothing for us. And, um, what I, what I'm not going to tell anybody who's reading the scriptures is stop. Sure. Um, because the scriptures are powerful. It always accomplishes what God sent it for. I know that's right. That's right. And you you read the word that God uses the word like a scalpel and cuts it between bone and marrow. So I'm not gonna say stop, but what I am going to say is, okay, let's just, let's just reposition a little bit as you're reading the scriptures. And I want to ask a question. Why are you reading the scriptures and what's your goal? Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I think, and I could be wrong. Um, I think when we read the scriptures, the goal is to hear from God for me. I'll tell you what the devil loves the devil. And I can say this because I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> the devil loves it when people read the Bible and think about it a lot and talk about it a lot and do nothing with it. Yeah. yeah. If it doesn't, mm. if it doesn't convert, to love for God and love for neighbor, we've missed the point entirely. And so what I would tell them is, okay, great, you read the Bible. I'm glad you do. I had a really hard time getting into that habit. Um, but what are you doing with it? Are, are, you, 
are you, when you read the scriptures, begging God, show yourself to right. me that I might know you and love you and worship you? Or is it just a discipline? It's kind of like working out. Like I'm never going to tell somebody that has a good workout regimen, stop working out. But I am going to ask them, what are you trying to achieve here? You know, um, are, are you doing this for some meaningful purpose? Are you doing this just to feel good about yourself or because somebody else told you you should? Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with the discipline, but it's a means of, of knowing him and being transformed by him. So yeah, that, and I don't think, you know, just to confirm what you said with the scripture, because I think the scripture can always confirm these things for us. Second Timothy three that we go to all the time for this, which is where it says all scripture is God breathed and is useful. Yeah. Mm. It's useful. And it tells us what is useful to for, for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training. What does rebuking mean for, for those who don't uh, go to church? I'm I'm preaching on that this Sunday. Calling you out. Yeah. Yeah. God, God will discipline. So every one of us has sins that we aren't aware of. And when we read the scriptures, God very gently says, Hey, <laughs> yeah, you got a problem here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's you. Right. That's you. Uh, so in the, but then the verse 17, it says, so that the servant of God, that's us may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what is the purpose of, so of us reading the, the scripture so that we, we may be thoroughly equipped for every good work so that's that right. we, it's applied, it's useful. Right. It's meant I, to be applied in our lives. I once, I have been trying to remember who the author was and, and I know I've mentioned it actually while I, right around the time I read it, I think I mentioned it in this podcast, but I, I do think it's worth repeating. I think it's one of the most beautiful things I've, I've heard, but um, you know, I've confessed several times um, that I have a, I struggle not to turn the scripture into a textbook. Yeah. Cause that's just how I, how I am. And, and so I find myself, Mm. treating it like a textbook at times um they uh but i was very convicted when i was i could wish i could i want to say it was uh, uh, now a new one but i don't think i don't think it was uh, i was around the same time i was reading a book by him though um anyway it said you know how do you read a letter from a friend that you haven't seen in a long time mm. you know somebody who like you have you don't you really don't know what's going on with their life and here they are they wrote you a handwritten you know, multiple pages, letter, just opening up about their experiences, their life lessons, everything. Are you going to skim that looking for like keywords or are you going to find a quiet place, sit down and read it as if it was written just for you? Yeah. That's how you read scripture. Yeah. Wow. I was like, oh, that is not how I read scripture. <laughs> I was so convicted. Well, so, you know, I mean, that's. And I'll tell you, like, just I'm working on it from a person who, who I you know, scripture. I think God, God gave me a gift in that time period where. I, that's all I could consume. I think he had a very, very specific purpose and reason for that um, was to prepare me for ministry and to also prepare me to go to a seminary where they were teaching a very different way to read the Bible. And this may surprise our listeners or not. I don't know. But one of the ways to read the Bible that I was taught in a seminary that I don't, I completely disagree with, just so we're aware that I'm about to tell you something that I do not believe that you should do. And when you approach this scripture is called what they call a hermeneutics of suspicion, which means that when you read the Bible, which is what hermeneutics is, that you read it suspiciously. And um, the worst part about that is, is I think... Would, first, they actually, would they actually voice that? Oh, not only voice it, but like they would then say, hmm. well, let's look at this person who's reading it this way and, and um, uh, talk about how they read it where they're trying to find anything to redeem it. 
yeah. <laughs> the scripture. Wow. And I was like, why would you spend your life? This was my question for them. Why would you spend your life studying a book you think is nearly irredeemable? Yeah. And, and the answer that I was given was, is because they said, well, maybe there's something there. And I said, well, let's start with what the something is and we'll move on from there. But I said, but what I came to realize what the Lord had done for me, uh, what he had given me. And, and I think it's the same gift he, that he, he gave you in that heart, strangely warmed, uh, type of moment was, is there's, it couldn't be more opposite than the way that they were trying to teach me to read the Bible, which I think is honestly a tool of the devil. And, uh, it was, uh, a hermeneutics of faith. Mm. When you read the scripture, Okay. You read it expecting God Amen. to speak to you. Amen. Yes. Okay, the word of God that proceeds from him that he wants to speak directly to you, that requires faith. Yeah. That it's not just a book, that it's not just something that a bunch of people got together and, and wrote and, and, and tried to figure out some, you know, thing over th- however long, you know, but that it's, it's from God yeah. and, and to you. I do want to. The only thing I'm going to push back on, and it's it's not that I disagree with anything you just That's said. That's why I, I, I came I, here to start a fight. So but I wouldn't right want. Here we go. No, no, it's not a fight. Happen. It's a, it's just a point of clarity for for those listening. <sighs> Fisty cuffs. Because I I don't want anybody to think that we're oh, saying that you can't question what you're reading no because that's that's not it like there's a lot of there are quite a few sticking points and stumbling blocks in scripture oh, yeah. sure and and those are important and, super and, important you know like uh, the one comes to mind uh, in the psalms where D- david wants the his enemy's babies to be dashed against the rocks that's right. a really tough thing yeah. listen man I, I talked about hell already so i mean i'll bring it up like i so i i don't like this idea that anyone will suffer forever for their sins. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so here's a, here's a story I'll tell and it's, I'm going to greatly abridge it because y'all know some of the characters in this tale. So I did a Bible study, um, maybe five, six years ago with a couple friends reading the gospel of John. And, uh, these were guys who'd grown up in the church, hadn't really been going in a long time and really never read the Bible on their own. And, um, we got to John 14 I'm bad with references. Maybe that's wrong. Where Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. And it was, I was doing a very kind of inductive Bible study with these guys. I was like, what do you think Jesus is saying here? And one of the guys says, well, is he saying that my Muslim and atheist friends who don't believe in Jesus are not going to go to heaven? And I said, I don't know. What do you think? Go to the other guy. And he said, it sounds pretty clear to me that that's what he's saying. And the other guy said, well, I disagree. I don't think that's true. I said, okay, I just want to clarify before we move on here. So you're saying you disagree with Jesus that they're going to go to heaven. He goes, yeah, yeah, I, I disagree with Jesus. And I said, <laughs> all right, cool. Let's move on to the next section. So we just move on. So the next week we get together, I'm going to start John 15. And he goes, hey, guys, before we start, okay. uh, I just want to make a clarification from last week. I thought about what we said, and I've decided I don't disagree with Jesus. I just don't like what he said. Yeah. yeah. And I said, That's okay, fair. cool. I, I appreciate that. Thanks for, thanks for sharing that. Now, the, the great ending to the story is when we finished John uh, that last night as he was driving home. I didn't find this out until two years later. He received Christ. Mm. So, <laughs> yeah, awesome. so I think, and, and I, I was actually hoping we'd get into this. Like, there, My goal with Scripture is to just let it speak. 
Mm. Imagine that. Wow. So, you know, I'm, that's, 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 right. that's why you were invited that's here. Right. That's it. Right. It's, we it's, needed it. It's now so, done. So, so I'm a Presbyterian. So we paid him to do. I'm a Presbyterian. <laughs> I come from the Reformed theology world. And one of the, the tenets of the Reformation that, that Luther um, talked about, there's two of them from Luther that I want to talk about. One is ad fontes, the Latin, which means to the sources. The Reformers wanted the church to just go to the Bible, even in its original languages, to understand what it said. And um, the other thing that Luther said is that Scripture makes plain sense. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand it. So like Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father except through me. You know what it means. Right. The, the question is whether or not you like it. So this is one way um, it would be interesting to kind of hear what everybody says. I think mm. that a person who is literate and has some good, solid reading comprehension, let's say sixth grade, can make sense of a lot of the Bible. They can understand what it means, whether they're regenerate or not. The difference is when I read it, do I believe it and love it mm-hmm. so that I want to live in response to it? And that's where I think the Holy Spirit comes in. Yeah. Um, granted, there are hard parts of the Bible in terms of like the prophets can be hard to understand, but God meant it to be understood. Yeah. Um, the understanding is, is I'm not convinced that's, that's the biggest issue. The biggest issue is believing it and loving it because there's stuff. So back to hell. Yeah. I, you know, I don't like that idea, but I also understand that God is a God of justice. And I understand that people who have justice robbed from them, they, we need justice. They want justice in Christ and God. Sin can be punished in one of two ways in hell we're on the cross. And so justice it mm. is justice is provided for every sin that's committed. And and that is a comfort in times when I when I'm experiencing injustice. So um but yeah, it doesn't mean everything I read in the Bible I like it the first time, mm. but I have to submit myself to it. Yeah. Because it's God's word. Yeah, and I think I think even that 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 is we t- you've talked about this before, Henderson. Um, talking about basically a regenerate mind. Right. Um you want to say a little bit about like how we understand the scripture, like from, from the gift of the Holy spirit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it's in, um, second Corinthians, uh, two 14. If I, if I'm, I'm, I'm not all the way good with my addresses. <laughs> Me neither. You're, you're in yeah, a safe really. space. But I think I, think I know it's in second Corinthians, man. When, um, when Paul was speaking, he said that, uh, let me just look it up. I have a Bible right here. So Go I don't misquote it. At all, yeah. I, I just want to read that this. Uh, he wants to let the Bible speak. Yeah, let That's the right. Bible speak. Now's the time to clear your throat, John. Yeah. So we, have <laughs> of, we have a little bit of time. Um, while uh, while Henderson's um, looking that up quickly, the uh, the one, one thing that stood out to me, and I do I do believe yeah. that that we probably complicate the scripture because we wanted to match our own sensibilities and so we're just well that doesn't sound right because today doesn't agree with that right um however there are i do find that jesus in his parables sometimes was i don't want to say cryptic but you had to have your mind on the things of the kingdom to understand it oh he says that he says it yeah (laughs) well no right right i'm I'm letting the bible speak I'm uh, i'm just saying that um you know, they're so, spiritually discerned. So, I, yeah. and I, st- I think that we still have that where sure. people, because I, you know, I preached a series on the parables where I just kind of, I tr- did my best to clumsily open them up, and, right. um, and I even made the statement about like how so- someone can he- read or or hear this and and think Jesus is giving gardening tips or yeah. or Jesus is saying if you invest your money well, then God loves you. You know, like that kind of like in the talents as as, but 
but then people who I know very closely who go to church and 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 are searching for for Jesus right. were like I I never understood that parable. I always thought it it was this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like so you know it's interesting to I mean yes, I do believe that scripture is clear, but I do think you have to approach it prayerfully and, and 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 I think you're about to touch on yeah, so I, I have this scripture, and I also have a question for Pastor Jason after after we uh get past this point. But one, the scripture says this, and it's in First Corinthians chapter two and fourteen. It says the natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And we're talking about regener a regenerated mind is gonna is gonna understand the scripture because he had the Spirit living in him, so it's gonna be illuminated. It's gonna have a little bit more of an understanding to it. And right here it says, but a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolishness to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised it says right here That's right. or yeah. discerned yeah. you know you, you have to have the Spirit in you I mean like you said you can read the Bible and you can just read the Bible rotely just read it and just because I have a good discipline I read my Bible I read my Bible I read my Bible but do you actually have the Spirit of God living yeah. in you have you accepted Christ as your personal yeah. Lord and Savior there's a difference between reading the Bible and metabolizing the message mm. right yeah. and one other scripture that we all know um, especially uh, you know everybody know this scripture but you know when we was on our little mission trips remember like in our like during the course of our last day we were trying to get people to you know to come to the uh the little talks that we had come yeah. to the little meetings we had and we'll try to you know coerce them to come in so many different ways and then at the end we'll just like look offer them a little candy <laughs> offer them some candy <laughs> that was right. jason take right. some trying coffee. to give candy to college kids yeah, he didn't think there was any candy. Candy. Yeah, jesus with yeah tell you about jesus what but then creep. it started getting close to the end we was like man look Unless you are born again. Unless right. you are born again. Yeah, you're not going to be able to see the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to perceive it. It's not going to make no sense to you. Because I was like that at one point. You know, people was coming to me, like we talked about it before, to say, hey, Henderson, you know, you should forgive this person or you should live this way or you shouldn't do this. And I didn't want to hit it. Like the Bible said, it sounds foolish. It sound, it sounded yeah. like foolishness to me because I didn't really have the spirit of God in me. Mm-hmm. Can I ask you a question, Henderson? Well, yes, sir. Um, and I know, I know you got a question for Jason, but it's it's just it, anytime somebody brings this up, I think it's it's valuable to explain to whoever's listening what does that mean to be born again. Except, okay, from, to you from my for, perspective, yeah, yeah, yes, sir, yeah, yeah. Born again to me is accepting Christ, knowing that I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm I am I am in need of saving grace. You know, the Bible talks about. It. I mean, you might have heard it because I grew up Catholic, and I thank mm-hmm. God for the people that that taught me. But it wasn't it wasn't until later on that I I accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior on a personal one on one level because I realized God is always at the door and He's knocking, He's inviting you to Himself. So I mean, I accepted Christ and accepted Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. It's one of the best decisions I've ever, that I've ever made, and my life was radically transformed from that moment. And it's not like I haven't had any troubles or anything like that, and that's going to lead up to the question that I have a Pastor Jason. But, uh, man, accepting Christ, it just means, it, I mean, being born again mm. just means that you accept Christ yeah. as your personal Lord and Savior. And from that moment, God does something. Do you think you have to recognize that you're dead in your sin to be born again? Like, do you think you have to kind of know the weight of, of your sin to know what I you were saved that's from? Part of it. I think that's definitely a part of it, I'm, man. Um, I think it's part of it just knowing that, man, I'm I'm dead outside of like outside of my relate our relationship with Jesus Christ. I am dead. Yeah. 
And I do need to become alive. I need if I want to have eternal life, I need to be born again. For so, that. so the three of us were, I would say, born again as adults. Mm-hmm. You received Christ much earlier. Yeah. Than that. Right. So, to you, being born again, yeah, w- what does that mean for a young person? Well, or or is that not even a no? I think I, I think I was born again when I was seven. Okay, and um. In Psalm 51, David says, this is in, I'm preaching through Psalm 51 right now, so it's on the tip of my brain, but. Um, <laughs> they always think we're really smart, but it's just that yeah, the Lord put no, the scripture on no. us. So David, King David, one of the best kings in Israel, makes a terrible decision, uh, commits adultery, um, and then, and, and the woman gets pregnant. And to cover it up, he has her husband killed uh, in battle. So he was a soldier. And then, uh, to top it all off, he took this grieving widow as his wife. And mm-hmm. so everyone in Israel is like, man, he's not just a, a great king. He, he's a good guy. He's taken in this grieving widow. And now God's blessed them with a child. What a good guy. And the yeah. end of chapter 11, second Samuel says, and the Lord was displeased with what David had done. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sends Nathan the prophet to him to confront him. And um, in Psalm 51, we read this beautiful Psalm of David repenting of what mm-hmm. he had done. Yep. And near the end of the psalm, he says something to the effect of God's not pleased with our burnt offerings in the tabernacle. The sacrifices that he wants is a broken, broken and contrite heart. Yeah. Um, I, in my perception of the scriptures and also experientially as a Christian personally and as a pastor and as a friend to Christians, before a person will be born again, they have to have some personal recognition of their desperation and their need. So um, it's what it's what separated the Pharisees and the teachers of the law right. and Ooh. the scribes from the people who are coming to Jesus right. and to John the Baptist to be baptized. You know who who told you to flee right. from the wrath that Amen. is to come. You know, right. in the same same way they knew to flee. Uh, because there was a brokenness in their spirit and right. in their heart, and it led them uh, towards Jesus and God. That's me. Well, it's it's interesting, you know, as I'm I'm a dad now, so I've got three kids, and my my oldest uh, child uh, has had an experience of Christ and has received Christ, and we believe he, we see the evidence of him being born again, and his younger sister has not yet professed Christ, and uh, it's interesting because it's not the way you'd expect it. She is the compliant kid. And like when you look at her life, man, she ain't done nothing wrong. Right. right? right. And so um, as I've been talking to her about the gospel, uh, I've started praying that the Lord would create some sense of, of, of right. her own need within her. Now, her older brother, when we talk about things like, oh, yeah, I got sin. I see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I so I do think that um, th- there is a, an experience of brokenness that has to happen. And what's Amen. interesting is throughout my Christian life, um, it's not that weird to be these kind of dour puritanical self-flagellating people um but there is a a sober recognition day in and day out that even though i am born again and i have the spirit and i know christ i still have deep sin problems that need to be rooted out of me and i'm not going to be done until i'm with jesus you know so repentance is going back to luther now when Luther posted his 95 theses on the door of the Wittenberg chapel, the first thesis was this, that when our Lord and master Jesus Christ said to repent, 
He meant that the lifestyle of Christians is to be one of repentance, that we are people who are always repenting. That's our baseline. So, um, so that would be my very long-winded answer. No, to your I, question. I, I I appreciate that, and I know I know you've been holding on to your question. Yeah, yeah, it was it was kind of answered in part because the question was like, as a Christian, and I know the first question was like, what the scriptures mean to you. So, I, and 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 from a pastor, from a past, from a pastor's perspective, and for our listeners, and for myself, because I just you know as a growing believer, uh, how do you constantly walk out the scriptures like when you? Hear, the, hear a scripture that you should love your neighbor or you should vengeance as mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, scriptures like that, and you want to live by these scriptures, but then the distractions come, or somebody will wrong you, or your neighbor are not so loving, and and you want to be able to live out what the Bible says in, in your life so that God's light can shine through you. My question is, like, how do you continue in walking in God's word when— so many distractions and problems and cancer and unloving people come come along the way. How do you continue on in God's word? Man, that's a great question. Um, I would say that you have to do what I didn't do in college. Mm. So, uh, you know, I was talking earlier about how I would tell people I was a biblicist, right? Even though I wasn't really reading the Bible regularly. <laughs> it just so, sounded really of course, good. What a punk, of course. <laughs> so, you know, at 16, I'd responded to a call to preach. I didn't know in what capacity. Of course, I thought I was going to Billy Graham. I think that's what most young preachers think. Always. So when I went to college in Birmingham, Alabama, um, I went to Sanford University, and they had a student ministry. So they were affiliated with Southern Baptist Convention where um, – they would send up students who were who were in religion or or who were going to be preachers, and we would go do pulpit supply in these little Southern Baptist churches throughout Alabama. And so, starting as a freshman, probably every other Sunday during college, I was preaching in some little church. And it wasn't always little. I remember one Sunday I preached to a congregation of six people, mm. and the next Sunday it was like five hundred people wow. in a different oh, wow. church. And yeah. so it was, it was a lot of different kinds of churches. Right. Um, and so I did that for three and a half years, starting when I was a freshman. And what happened was my preaching skills got honed. I preached a lot. When I got to seminary, I had classmates who had never preached before. And they're like, well, how many times have you preached? I'm like, I don't know, 200 times maybe. And that was just astonishing to them. My preaching skills were getting great, but my spiritual life was a wreck. Mm. And the reason was I didn't have a church I was a part of. I was traveling to all these churches, and so I had mm. no consistency of Christian accountability, yeah. Christian friendship. I didn't have a mentor. I wasn't mentoring anybody. And what was happening, Henderson, is I was preaching on Sunday one thing, and I was living something totally different. Right. On Friday night, I'm out partying, living very much unlike a Christian, right. and then preaching on Sunday morning, but I had the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, God's not going to allow you to do that without discipline, and I could feel the hypocrisy of right. it. I could feel Amen. the pull. So when I was halfway through my senior year, I, I was the leader of the group at this point. I was like the guy that led the troop out there, you know. I quit. And I said, I, and I said I'm not going to preach. I'm taking an indefinite amount of time off because <laughs> I've got to get right, not just with God, right. but with his church. Amen. And so mm. when that, that, it was through that process that God began to call me not simply to preach, but to be a pastor. Amen. Because in the context of the local believing, worshiping, discipling community, we hold each other's feet to the fire. That's right. And so it's one thing for me by myself to read the Bible and to try to live it out. 
It's another, when I have brothers and sisters who know me and love me and are committed to me and are willing to hold me accountable, um, that, that's really what helps me from being distracted. And so church, going to church for me, just like the Bible is not about religion or duty for me, going to church is not about religion or duty. No. It's about relationship right. um, because those people help me and I help them. And together mm. we are working, walking along this road Amen. of serving Christ, of living according to the scriptures. And so I, to answer your question, I can't do it. But together, and this is another interesting thing. So, that's, that's, amen. The Bible is a means of grace. The, God uses the scriptures to speak to us. But we don't go to a tabernacle or a temple anymore. The Spirit lives in you guys. Right. And so I'm not saying your scripture or that the words you say are on a par with scripture. But God can use you powerfully in my life to redirect. That's what happened with David. What happened to him after he sent one of God's people, Nathan, Nathan yeah, yeah. shows up. Absolutely. It's like, hey, bro, you done wrong. Right. Yeah, right. So it, Let me tell you a story. Yeah, I think right. it's, those, it's those relationships yeah. for me, for me that have kind of helped me Amen. along the way. Yeah, and, and, and I, would, I would encourage everybody, you know, one of the things that is often the direction we go with all of this is we ask, well, how does this happen? How does this happen? How does this happen? You're going to get real bored, but the truth of the matter is, is there is a way it happens, and it's right. God. That's right. And uh, God does a work in you. Um, we can tell you the, the processes we take with God that God has brought about in us. Right. We can talk about our hearts being strangely warmed. We can talk about suddenly opening up the, the Bible right. and being able to see it in a different light than we ever had before. Understand there was no process for us through our own power or strength That's to right. do any of this. And right. it only came through the power and the gift of God. Amen. So ask him to do it. Exactly. There we go. And that. that's the good news. The good news comes in that who we are approaching for these things is yeah. not unapproachable because his son Jesus gave his life on the cross. And that we can come before God and ask for these good gifts. And in fact, Jesus has made this promise that if we ask, if we seek, if we knock, the door will be opened. Amen. The gift right. of the Holy Spirit will be given. So ask. Amen. Um, it's it looks different for a lot of people. I, you know, when I when I was saved and redeemed, the only thing I said to God was, I'm so I was convicted of my sin. I said I was sorry three times. That was it. There was nothing else. The next day I had the Holy Spirit. God had transformed and changed my life. So it's not that you have to do it just right. It's right. just that God is your salvation. So seek it through him. Um, so we're so glad that you came to visit us. Yes. And uh, as you can see, he's much smarter than all of us. Nope. Um, and, <laughs> uh, so, but uh, we do this whenever we've had a guest, which is one other time. Uh, so it's our tradition, yeah, yeah, <laughs> long standing and tradition. a long standing tradition to ask the person who's visiting with us to to pray us out of oh, the man. podcast. Yeah, I'd love to so see. Would that. you do that for yeah. us? Amen. Holy God, we uh, thank you uh, for your Holy Spirit, who not only inspired your scriptures, Amen. Um, but knits us together uh, as brothers in Christ. And Lord, I want to pray for everyone who's uh, listening, whether they're on a jog, riding to work, uh, wherever they are. Holy Spirit, that you would draw near to them and that you uh, would open their hearts to want to know you, yes, to want to love you, and to want to live their lives according to this book you've given us. Lord, you uh, do your work in each of our lives in your own way, so we trust you in that, but we ask that you would show off your power, your glory, and your yes, love Lord. in their lives 
uh, today. I pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to Let the Bible Speak. If you'd like to support us, subscribe to the podcast by clicking that little plus symbol on your phone until it becomes a check mark. You can also share these episodes with a friend. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at letthebiblespeakpodcast at gmail.com. If you write us at letthebiblespeak at gmail.com, we will not receive your email, so make sure it is letthebiblespeakpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks. Thank you.